Hi, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and a women's cyclical health expert. This podcast is a space where we demystify all of the bad hormone advice we've been given and instead get back down to the foundations. Your dream of regular, pain-free periods, balanced hormones, and vibrant energy is within reach. Join me and other incredible experts here every single Monday for conversations that are sure to be life-changing. Let's get started. Hello everybody, holy moly, it's been a long time since I have sat down here and hit record. So welcome back to season four of the Cyclical Podcast. If you haven't noticed, I've been MIA for about a year and as today's podcast uh, topic probably explains, I had a baby. So I have been very busy in all things motherhood, figuring out how to raise another human being and i feel so excited that i get to share the formal birth story for the first time in its entirety today when i found out i was pregnant i remember i listened to so many birth stories probably dozens and i was always just in awe of a a woman's power but b how different birth can look and so while my birth story today may be different than yours, it may be different than what you want, or maybe it's exactly what you want, I hope that everyone can just feel the celebration of birth and the wonder that is the woman's ability to create new life and birth it and then take care of this little human for years until it becomes a full-fledged adult. I am so, so grateful that last October I did have the birth of my dreams at home in the space that I felt safest and the most supported, and I'm so grateful that it all aligned as it did. If you listened to the podcast last year, you probably remember I did a birth series where I interviewed a lot of different experts like postpartum doulas and an OBGYN. I interviewed a lactation counselor, and I did it partly because I wanted to share that different side to birth, you know, contrary to just the normal hospital narrative, but also selfishly, I just wanted to learn more as well so that I was the best, uh, so that I was best prepared for birth as well. And a lot of you probably remember some of the episodes where I was sharing my birth vision and, you know, that I want to do a home birth. And of course, there were some people on the internet that were very alarmed by that and told me I was reckless and crazy. You know, you can't share literally anything on the internet without someone getting offended. But it all worked out because I got to have the birth of my dreams. Before I share my birth story, I'm so excited to introduce you to this season's podcast sponsor. We all know that PMS is the worst, and it's something that most of us have probably struggled with before, which is why when I first learned about Jubilance, I was amazed. Jubilance is the most advanced scientific solution for relieving PMS mood symptoms. In studies, they found Jubilance offered significant relief of PMS-related symptoms like mood swings, anxiety, irritability, sadness, and stress. There are a ton of supplements out there on the market, but not many can back up their claims the way Jubilance can. Jubilance helps thousands of women around the world live PMS-free, and they are so confident in this product that your first order comes with free shipping and a 100% money-back guarantee. If Jubilance doesn't give you the PMS relief that you need, send them an email and you get a full refund. No questions asked. This is something I'll be keeping on hand at all times, and you can take $10 off your first order with code CYCLICAL. You can find the link in the show notes or go to jubilance.com. 
I was really clear from the beginning that I wanted to have a home birth, but life sure threw some interesting curveballs throughout my pregnancy. I actually had a pretty stressful pregnancy. Luckily, I didn't really have any symptoms and my body gratefully felt really good through my pregnancy, but there were a lot of other things going on just in my life in general um, with people in my life that were really stressful and painful. And so I was riding a lot of waves up and down and the cherry on top was, oh gosh, maybe six weeks before my quote due date, I was forced to move out of my home. And that was so stressful for a lot of reasons, but the largest reason was, you know, when you are planning a home birth, you kind of need a home to give birth in. And so I remember being so just beyond emotional and stressed because I was like, wait a minute, I want a home birth. I envisioned it in this living room. I envisioned it with this, you know, wall and this fireplace and this floor. And this is where I was going to be, you know, birthing and where I was going to bring a new life into the world. What do you mean? This is not where I live anymore. So it was a really intense situation with the homeowner and it was just best to leave because of the environment that had been created. And that was wild. Luckily, everything always works out and I did find a different home, but it added so much stress to my pregnancy. So as I said though, I found a new home. It's a beautiful home. And funny enough, I thought moving into that home was going to be kind of my home base to nest for another month or so before my baby was due. My baby was quote due at the end of October. And I'll keep saying due in a very like sarcastic way because of course babies come when they want to come. So it was the estimated date based on when I knew that I had conceived my baby, um, but I wasn't attached to that date at all. However, as a first time mom, I guess I was maybe a bit more attached to it because it seems most women with their first baby, if anything, go past their quote due date, you know, to where they're 41 or 42 weeks pregnant. So I really thought I had a lot of time left. So just keep that in mind as I keep sharing my story. So the first weekend that I was living in my new home was my mother's blessing. And so this is similar to a baby shower, except Rather than being focused on the baby and gifts and stuff like that, it's more of a celebration of the woman that is about to transition really from that maiden stage into the mother stage. And so there's a lot of different ways. Of course, you can have a mother's blessing, but my dear friend Renee and my sister uh, Meadow hosted this for me and so many of my friends and family drove and flew in for this beautiful event and it was a space for me to be honored and it was seriously one of the best days of my life. I wish I could relive it a hundred times because I felt so, so honored and appreciated and loved and I got to really see, you know, my community show up. So there was beautiful food. There were, there had to have been like five or 10 dozen roses everywhere. Everyone, um, you know, shared their wishes for me and affirmed me and I was sung to and people scrubbed my feet and my hair was brushed and a flower crown was made and a special beaded bracelet was made where everyone set intentions for me to wear through labor. And I mean, it was just 
spectacular. Literally, I don't have words to explain how beautiful it was. I do have pictures that do just about capture how magical it was, but my words here I don't think can really capture how special it was. But it was incredible, and like I said, I had a lot of friends and family that were in town that weekend for my mother's blessing. And some of my friends stayed a few days longer. So you can see I'm really in like nest mode. And then also for some reason at like 38 weeks pregnant, I had my mother's blessing. I don't know why I did it that late in, at the time, I guess in my like first trimester that made sense, but <laughs> really didn't. And um, so you can see it was not in like birth mode at all. I was really in like nesting, preparing, and like community mode. And the next day after that mother's blessing, so it was a Sunday, I started to have something that felt like menstrual cramps. And I didn't think a lot about it, honestly, because they weren't too intense. It was really just like first day of your period where you're like, oof, that's uncomfortable. But it wasn't by any means excruciating. But I remember it would come in waves. And so if I was say eating something and a wave came through, I'd be like, ooh, and I'd have to pause for a second. So seems not too serious, right? And I also didn't think a lot of it because, you know, I read so many birth stories and I listened to so many different people's experiences with birth. And it just seemed like a lot of women had Braxton Hicks or contractions for the last few weeks of their pregnancy. So I just chalked it up to that. By Monday, they were a little more intense now, but still, I had some friends in town, so we were, you know, out exploring, and I was showing them where I live, and, like, I wasn't really conscious that this was, like, the beginning of labor. So I kept just breathing through it all and kept moving forward. Most of my friends left Tuesday morning to go back to where they live, and... Tuesday is when things got really, really intense. So it was maybe four o'clock in the afternoon and I was texting my friend Renee and I was telling her how I was feeling where I was like, I am on the couch every like 20 minutes. I like, I can't do anything else. I need to like sit down and just breathe. It's really intense. So she texted our friend Leandra who lives near me and was like, hey, I think you should go check on Cassandra. I think she just needs some like moral or like emotional support. Because remember, none of us think labor is gonna happen yet. We're not, that's like just so far out of what we think is about to happen. So my friend comes over for a couple hours. She's just sitting there with me, we're breathing. And you know, she leaves and goes home and it's just like, no big deal. <laughs> Well, that night things started to get real, though I would not have admitted that at the time because I was in denial that this could be labor. My sister who lives like eight hours away from me called and she could hear how every you know five or 10 minutes how I had to stop and I was moaning and how I was breathing. And so she was saying, do you think you're in labor? And I said, no, I'm not in labor, are you crazy? And then meanwhile, I'm like, whoo, <laughs> breathing and moaning. Thank goodness she heard how I was breathing and the sounds I was making. You know, she's a mother of four. So she just knew she's in labor. And so at like nine o'clock at night, she loads up her four kids, picks up our mom, and she drives to me overnight. 
and what a miracle that is because my sister was the number one person I wanted at my birth to support me. So I'm so grateful that she just knew and trusted her gut and wasn't like, oh, I'll go in the morning. No, she drove through the night to get to me. That night was really, really, really long. Um, I remember laying in bed and every, you know, 10, 15 minutes, it was like I was rising from the dead. It was so intense that I would have to sit up so I could brace myself. And obviously when you've got a big tummy, it's very difficult to sit up every 10 or 15 minutes. So I finally gave up and I went and slept on the couch and I propped myself so that I was sitting upright. And that way, at least every you know 15 or 20 minutes when I would wake up with a contraction, I was like already in a position where I could brace myself and then relax and fall back to sleep. So yes, it was a um, very long night and not very restful. Around 7 a.m., I had a little piece of toast to eat, but I just really already was not even in the mode to eat. I didn't want to eat. I would drink a little bit, but that was like when finally it dawned on me that there might be a baby here today. Even though I was still a couple weeks early, technically early, I was like, oh my God, I think I'm in labor. And around then, my mom and sister and her kids arrived and they came in the door that I remember. I think my niece or my nephew came in first and you know, they're about 10 years old. And I remember just the way they looked at me. They looked at me like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm sitting on the couch wearing just a bathrobe and I'm sure I just look like, I don't know, scared, overwhelmed, in pain, I don't know, I'm sure my face said something like that. And I just remember they looked at me like, are you okay? <laughs> and um, they went downstairs and then when my mom and sister came in, I just looked at them and I just started bawling. And I think partly because I had finally accepted that I really was in labor, but I was also realizing that this was a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be. So I'm just crying and crying like, this is so hard, it's so painful, and what am I gonna do? And, you know, being all whiny. <laughs> and, of course, they both just smiled, they both had children, obviously, and they were like, yeah, but you know, what's crazy is you're gonna do this, and then you're gonna want another one. So, like, <laughs> it's a crazy thing, and yet most of us have more than one kid, but you're, you can do this, you can do this. So, so nice to have their support. And my sister immediately was so hands-on. So she started to do counter pressure on me. If you don't know what that is and you're pregnant, you need to make sure you and your partner know what that is because it's amazing. <laughs> so she was pushing on my hips and just helping to relieve a little bit of pressure through each contraction. And I remember just at so many points thinking, wow, this is a little different than what I saw on Instagram. So I, of course, follow lots of really cool birth accounts and some women do have labor experiences that apparently are not painful, but are more like orgasmic, where they're just like moaning and like making, you know, pleasurable sounds and then the baby comes out. And obviously who wouldn't want that to be their experience? So I think I really attached to that like that was gonna be me. I'm just gonna moan and move my hips a little and I'm gonna have this like orgasmic birth. 
which of course now sounds very naive, but um, shocker, spoiler, that was not my birth experience. <laughs> my birth experience was, in full transparency, much harder than I thought it was going to be. Much more painful and um, more, what would even be the word, like expanding. Like I did something so much harder than I ever thought I could have. And um, I am really proud of that, of course, but also, you know, in the future, if I have another child, I'm going to be a little more like, okay, this is uh, probably not going to be orgasmic and that's okay, but that helps me, you know, prepare myself mentally a little bit better. So you'll have to let me know on Instagram if, if your birth was orgasmic or was it painful and was it different or the same of what you thought it was going to be. You'll have to let me know. So labor is now starting to pick up. I'm still sitting on the couch and there's just so much pressure. And with every contraction, I am truly afraid that I'm either about to pee or poop all over the couch. There's just so much pressure. And it's like, I just was afraid that if I didn't brace myself, that something was going to come out of my body. And so I kept saying, I need to, I need to go to the bathroom. And so, you know, my, all my support is here at this point now at my birth. And so I'd go into the bathroom and I just sit on the toilet and of course nothing would happen because I didn't really have to go to the bathroom, but I was just like afraid that, that I was going to accidentally like do something all over my couch. So I went back and forth from the toilet to the couch a few times and then I'd stay on the couch or excuse me, on the toilet for a little while, you know, midwives joke that the toilet is the dilation station. And I'm sure it really was that because it was so uncomfortable to sit on the toilet. So it probably was dilating me or something because it was not pleasant to sit there. So finally I go back out to the couch and at this point I say, okay, I think I'm ready for someone to blow up the birth tub. So birth tub gets set up and we start to put warm water into it. And being someone that loves the ocean, rivers, scuba diving, snorkeling, surfing, literally anything to do with water I love. I had really envisioned that I was going to have a water birth. So I was really excited to get in this birth tub. So finally, there's enough water in it. and I get in it. It's so lovely. It's so warm. And then my labor totally stalls. So I'm like laying in there super comfortable. But instead of my contractions coming every seven to 10 minutes, now they're every 15 to 20 minutes. And that was really disappointing because once labor starts, you're kind of just ready for it to be done. And you don't really want to pause. You're like, no, let's just like, let's finish this, like get this baby out of me and let's just be done with this whole birth thing. So I stayed in there about an hour, but really like nothing was happening. After the fact, I learned that being in the birth tub can actually be really too relaxing for some people. And I assume that's what it was for me. So maybe with my next baby, I'll try the water birth thing again. But for me, it just wasn't progressing. Some people maybe could have stayed in it and eventually their labor would have picked up. But intuitively, I just knew I didn't want to be in the water and I wanted my labor to progress. So I got out. And as soon as I got out, my labor really picked up again. So at this point, I just wanted to be on my hands and knees. And so um, I decided I wanted to go on the bed in my bedroom. So everyone put down tarps, like 
not like a big blue tarp, but like a clear plastic kind of tarp thing meant to like protect your mattress during birth and a bunch of towels. So my bed was all protected and I get on there and I'm on my hands and knees and whoo, that intensity, my contractions sped up again. And now I'm moving through all of it. So I've got someone doing counter pressure on my hips through every contraction and I'm being told, you know, growl, moan, yell, hiss, like whatever you need to do, make a lot of noise and just be primal. And oh, and at this point, that robe that I was wearing, long gone. I don't know what happened to the robe. Probably it never got put back on after I got out of the birth tub. So I'm naked. Honestly, I think that's the best way to birth. Who needs some bra or something getting in the way? Um, so I'm naked, drooling, hissing, growling, yelling, whatever. Um, very, very primal and also just like kind of epic. I felt like a wild animal. It was, it was really cool. And then suddenly what happens? Again, my labor completely stalls. This was really hard. This just, I had a big breakdown. I just started crying because like I said, this was harder than I'd anticipated. It was more painful than I'd anticipated. And I just wanted to be done. And this is where I suddenly started to have all sorts of irrational thoughts. Like, can I even do this? What if I die? What if, what if the baby stuck? What if, what if, what if? Like I'm just going kind of insane with all these worst case scenarios in my mind. And I was so grateful. My sister came over to me and she said, this is your body helping you. It knows that your labor is about to get really serious. You need to rest so that you have the energy to finish your birth. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so she said, lay down. So I lay down and you know my contractions are still coming, but they're now more like every 15, 20 minutes again. And I did, I passed right out and fell asleep. And it was amazing. And then every 15, 20 minutes, I'd wake up and I'd yell and someone would run in and do counter pressure for me. <laughs> and then I'd fall right back asleep. And this probably went on for an hour to maybe 90 minutes. And what I realized again after the fact was transition, you know, is when birth starts to get real. Transitions when really, you know, you're going to have the baby moving down into the birth canal and like your birth is, is gonna be coming soon. And it's very, very normal when you hit transition to have irrational thoughts. So there's kind of the joke that when you start having crazy lady thoughts, that that means, you know, the baby's coming. <laughs> and so after the fact, I was like, wow, that was so was on point. I had felt so grounded and calm through my whole labor. But then that was that point when my labor stalled where I was like, my baby's never going to come out. I'm going to be pregnant forever. What if I die? What if blah, blah, blah. And they weren't true fears that I had. It's just like my mind was spiraling. And um, yeah, apparently that's just called transition. So <laughs> take notes, everybody. When you feel crazy during labor, don't worry, your baby will be there soon. So after about 90 minutes of these longer um, gaps between my contractions, labor then really sped up again. And I remember, you know, kind of waking up from one of my little breaks and suddenly feeling the new intensity of the contractions and being like, oh, oh, like 
Like it's real now. Like that was all practice. This is like real labor now. <laughs> and I was so grateful that I had been able to have a little bit of rest since I hadn't really been able to sleep much the night before. Um, you know, fatigue is one of the most common reasons that women have to go to the hospital that say want to have a home birth, but then they have to transport because at some point you're just so tired that you do just want the epidural just so you can take a nap. And I really like have so much more understanding and empathy for that now. And um, yeah, I would just say if, if ever, you know, you are in labor and things are stalling and you have the opportunity, don't go walk upstairs and go for a walk and whatever some midwives would recommend. You might just need to lay down and take a break for as much time as you need so you can regain that strength because had I not, I think, had someone remind me, like, it's okay that you just lay down, take a break, like, this is your body helping you, I don't know that I would have done that, and I don't think I would have had the strength to have finished my labor. I think this, around this time, let's say it's like 1 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and um, like I said, the intensity really, really picked up at this point, so now... Every three to five minutes, I'm having these contractions. At this point, I am covered in sweat. There's sweat all over my face. Like I said, I'm drooling. I am making so much noise. It was funny after the fact, because you know my nieces and nephew were all downstairs. And they were like, yeah, well, sometimes we wondered if maybe the baby had been born yet, but then we'd hear you yelling again and we knew you were still trying. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm glad everybody could just keep tabs on how I was doing. Um, just because I was, you know, making so much noise. And now began this insatiable need to push. Not everyone gets the feeling to push. Some people never push, but wow, I felt like I had no choice. So again, I'm on my knees, my hands are on the bed, and I am pushing and making so much noise. I have a really epic photo actually of this moment where you can see on my face, it's, it's, I don't know, you can just read the intensity on my face. You can see that I'm braced. You can see that I'm just like, trying to get this baby out. And uh, it's a really, really powerful photo. And um, this continued for probably an hour. Now I chose to do no cervical checks during my pregnancy and I did none during my labor until this moment. I didn't want to do cervical checks because your cervix is not like a magic, you know, crystal ball. It doesn't really tell you a whole lot. You could be at a two and then within 45 minutes be at a 10. So it's not really a fair measure of how close you are to giving birth. And often actually it causes a lot of harm because I've heard this from so many women that they were pushing and pushing and pushing. And then their doctor or their midwife told them, oh, you're only at a three and it completely defeated the woman and just made her feel like, oh, well, if I'm only a three, like I can't keep doing this for five, six, seven more hours. So I guess I guess I give up. At this point, though, I was like, I really want to see if I can feel a head. So I guess it was more of a head check, not a cervical check. So I insert a finger and I'm kind of disappointed because I don't feel a head. I just feel a very squishy cervix. And so I feel a little, little bit disappointed, but I can't be disappointed for too long because the next contraction is coming. And so at this point, it's about 
3.30 in the afternoon. And I've been pushing. This time I insert a finger again, and this time I feel ahead. And that is a crazy moment, y'all, when you are like, wait a minute, there's like a little head coming out of my body. What? Whoa. So this gave me so much hope and inspiration, right? Because it was like, oh, there's the light at the end of the tunnel. Like the babies moved down into my, you know, vaginal canal. We're getting close. And then sure enough, soon the ring of fire started where, um, you know, I guess through most of my labor, the pain was mostly like my back and then obviously my belly area. And now it was more like feeling my body like open and stretch down there. So ring of fire is definitely an accurate um, term, I would say. (laughs) So I'm again, just still feeling that insatiable desire to push and bear down and slowly but surely I feel the head start to come out. Um, This was a really, really exciting moment for me because as soon as the head was out, I knew one more push, one more push, and baby's gonna be out. So the head was only out for maybe a couple minutes before I had my next contraction. I bared down, I roared, and the rest of the body came flying out right into my hands. And I have a brief video of this moment. Honestly, I wish I had recorded my whole birth, or I honestly wish I had recorded or, or paid a videographer to be at my birth, but I didn't. And, uh, but I have a brief moment or video of this moment and I just look like a deer in headlights because <laughs> I'm like, whoa, like I just did it. I just gave birth. I'm a mom. There's a baby in my hands. <laughs> I just look like dumbfounded. And um, of course, immediately I'm bringing him into my chest and rubbing the back and um, baby starts crying. And... It was a few minutes of that before I actually looked down at the baby and saw I had a boy. If you all remember from my podcast episodes last year, I never found out the gender. I didn't want to. And so to look down and to be like, oh my gosh, I have a son was a really incredible moment to be just completely surprised. I had kind of thought maybe I was going to have a girl. I mean, you never know, but that's what I kind of felt like probably what was I, what I was going to have. And anyway, so to see I had a little boy was like, what? <laughs> and yeah, so finally I had my baby. So I sat there for a little while and, um, you know, was just connecting with the baby. He was crying. And after about 40 minutes, um... I gave one big push and my whole placenta came out. So that was awesome. And what I loved so much about my birth is that there was nothing and no one interrupting what me and baby were doing together, which was just like having that special moment to meet each other. No one was weighing him, whisking him away, scrubbing him, cleaning him, putting crap in his eyes. Like no one was messing with him. And also no one was poking and prodding me. And that was the most important thing that I envisioned in my birth. I wanted it to be revered as sacred. I didn't want to be disrupted. And um, 
So yeah, the placenta came out. I ended up leaving the placenta attached for about 10 hours, which is obviously much longer than one needs to. Really, even if you just waited an hour, all the blood from the placenta would go into the baby and it would stop pulsing. So I for sure knew I didn't want to cut the cord anytime soon, but after about 10 hours, it was getting a little cumbersome to leave it. So um, in the middle of the night, the cord was cut and that was a pretty wild experience. And really that's, that's the birth story. It's like so wild to get to say it out loud really for the first time. And the other thing I wanted to add is breastfeeding was kind of challenging at first. That was an unexpected challenge. I had heard people say it's not as innate as you may think because you know, most of us, our nipples have never had like a little creature sucking at them so intently. And um, yeah, it was very painful for me at first. So in terms of things I would do different if I could, one of them would be to have a lactation counselor in person um, there right after my birth to just support me through those first couple hours of breastfeeding. I didn't have this simply because where I live is pretty rural, so I couldn't find anyone that offered this service locally. Um, but maybe there was someone that I could have paid extra to come from a larger city, or maybe online could have been enough, but I kind of just relied on my sister's expertise, and that was super helpful. Um, but I think I could have really benefited with someone that was just really there just to support breastfeeding, to look at his latch and provide support around that. As I mentioned earlier, I also wish that I would have had a videographer or a photographer at the birth. I didn't think that was gonna be important to me, which is why I didn't prioritize it at all. And I actually had a phone set up while I was birthing on the bed but a few minutes before my baby actually came out, the phone, I think, said there was like 10% battery or something. So it like stopped recording right before I gave birth. <laughs> Luckily, I do have a short video um, from behind when the baby actually comes out, but it's just like a 15 second video. So I mean, I'm really grateful I have a video of baby being born, but I definitely wish that I could like watch the whole thing back and really see how I was moving through it because when you're in the moment, when you're actually birthing, you are not on planet Earth. <laughs> you are not present in terms of like being aware of what's going on. You don't know who's in the room with you. You're not thinking about anything other than the baby and the intensity. And so it would have been really cool to have been able to watch more of that. Um, so that would be something I would do different, I think, in the future. I think I would either pay a professional or just even have a friend there with the sole role of snapping some photos. Those are the main things that come to mind when I think about what would I do differently. But I think I'm just kind of excited for future children that I have because now I will have a tiny, tiny idea of like what's to come. Of course, birth and babies and children and life in general can't really be predicted. There's always going to be different variables. But at least now, like understanding how quick the newborn phase goes and like how my body will likely feel after giving birth and how important nourishment is 
like that will all help me just prepare better in the future so that I can really focus on the things that matter, right? And not worry about some of the other things like I had, you know, taken all this time to find all these baby clothes and stuff that now I'm like, that's so funny. My baby didn't even wear clothes for the first four weeks of his life. He was in a diaper and we were in bed skin to skin. And like, I didn't really need newborn clothing. So now that I have just the experience of it, now I can see how in the future, with future babies, I will just feel slightly more prepared, as prepared as one can be for something that is truly so unpredictable. I am really, really grateful though that I really spent a lot of time focusing on postpartum and my postpartum overall went quite well. I'm really grateful for that. I followed the tenants from the book, The First 40 Days. If you followed me last year or listened to any of my podcasts that I did last year, you know that I'm obsessed with that book. <laughs> it's a must, something that I would recommend giving to any friend that's pregnant um, or just reading yourself so that you know how to support the women in your life. But I really am so grateful to have such a great community where so many people showed up to nourish me in my postpartum phase. So just shout out to all of my incredible friends. If you're listening to this, I'm so grateful for you. I don't know what I would have done without you, but the amount of people, some that are dear friends and some people that I hardly even knew who just knew I was another new mom in the community and showed up with a warm meal and a little note, you know, affirming like you're doing an amazing job and may this food nourish you. Like that was so meaningful more meaningful than a baby onesie, more meaningful than flowers, like food. That was all I really wanted. So I'm so, so grateful for all of my community and my friends that helped nourish me. I had planned on doing a, um, like a postpartum cooking party where all my friends could come over and we were gonna make meals and then freeze them. But because I had, you know, the move and then Baby came just earlier than I expected. That didn't happen, so I didn't have any food made in my freezer. Um, so yeah, but because I had that support from my community, I was able to stay in bed with baby boy for a little over three weeks. And I understand that that is a luxury that not everyone has. But I think because I had my community there bringing meals and really just set everything up to where there was nothing else that I needed to do. And of course, he's my first baby, so it's not like I had another child I was trying to take care of. Um, we were able to just be in bed and be skin to skin, focus on resting and not doing a whole lot. We sometimes went outside to try and get a little bit of sun on nice days, but otherwise we were in bed and that was so nourishing. I just honestly don't know how some moms, you know, at 10 days postpartum are like at Costco with their babies. Like <laughs> that just sounds so, so wild to me because it's not at all what I wanted, but I can understand some women might feel cooped up, but the invitation to rest postpartum really, really, really deserves to be revered. And if it's hard for you, that's probably good. It's probably like you're a former, like addicted to stress hormones, go, go, go rest is lazy kind of person. And maybe postpartum is that amazing opportunity for you to learn how to just receive and be slow and just focus on your baby. I am really grateful that my postpartum went as smoothly really as I think it can. Postpartum is going to have ups and downs. There's going to be days you cry uncontrollably and you don't know why. Obviously you're bleeding and your boobs are leaking and you're tired, 
but it's not all bad. You're also like meeting and bonding with this perfect little human that has been growing inside of you and you're just feeling so much love and awe of the human body. So I think the last thing I would add about postpartum to anyone that's maybe pregnant or planning out your postpartum is to just protect that sacred bubble. Get really, really clear about what's important to you. You know, everyone focuses on their birth and their birth plan, and that's so great. But what about your postpartum plan? What people do you want coming over? Do you want anyone coming over? You know, for example, some people only want like their partner and maybe like their mom for the first couple weeks. Um, If you have neighbors or people at your church or random family members that don't really, you know, support you banging on your door wanting to see your baby at three days postpartum, um, no, (laughs) no, no. Stick that sign on the door. Be like, leave a meal and go away. (laughs) Um, This is not the like time to just be like, nice this is a time to take care of yourself and your baby and to learn that mama bear energy i remember someone that i interviewed last year i forget who it was saying that in one of the episodes like your job now is to protect your baby and the moment they're born that job starts in terms of holding boundaries protecting them and doing what's best for them even if that offends someone else and i really remembered that through my whole postpartum um, especially when I was like, no, I, I don't want so-and-so that is kind of sort of a friend to come over and hang out with the baby. And no, like I know so-and-so isn't going to really be there to support me. They want to hold the baby, but I want to hold my baby. What would actually help is like if someone came and did the dishes. So postpartum is a really interesting opportunity to receive and also to be really clear about what you need and to state that. So Don't allow yourself to be pressured to have people around that aren't a fit. Don't be pressured to get up and start doing things just because, you know, there's dishes in the sink. This is your opportunity to take care of you and your baby. So grateful to all of you that have listened to this and witnessed me. It feels really good to get to share this. And it's so weird that I record as I'm recording this, I've been planning my son's first birthday party. So it's like, how, how is that even possible? Time is so, so weird. Um, but it means a lot to be witnessed in this. And I hope that this has either just been interesting or given you something to think about with your future birth um, and how you want to set that up and advocate for yourself. So thank you so much for listening. I'm really excited about this new season on the Cyclical Podcast. And if there is something here that spoke to you, leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify is the best way to support the show. And it means so much to read those. All right, my friends, I will see you in the upcoming episodes. And for now, I'll just say, I'll see you next week.